Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hour number two, Oilers now. In this hour, Rob Brown, our Inside the Game analyst. And an interesting conversation on a man who's overcome a couple of addictions along the way in his journey in life. Uh, as a hard-nosed, tough, left-handed fighter in the National Hockey League. Later worked for the Los Angeles Kings organization, does some consulting now. He's written a book called Painkiller. Brent Myers coming up at 635 today. Second hour of Oilers Now brought to you by a world of spas. You can reach us on the River Cree Resort and Casino hotline, 780 The River Cree Resort and Casino excitement. Bet on it. You can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780 Get the new floors you always wanted. Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, open Monday to Saturday. We're on Twitter at Oilers Now. You can tweet me personally, Bob underscore Stoffer, and tweet Brendan at Brendan uh, with two E's, Escott with two T's. We'll We'll tell you, guests on the show receive gift cards to Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite place to celebrate your special occasion. Don and the staff at Japanese Village, they'll look after you. Try a Wagyu steak today. All right, uh, full disclosure, pre-tape coming up as uh, we're going to go off uh, and hook up with Rob Brown from the Orders Radio Network for Montorio Homes, developing customized homes perfectly built to your lifestyle. Visit Montorio.ca. All right, Rob, welcome back to the show. Uh, you know, and we don't lie on this show. We had to pre-tape today because uh, you're in an event tonight with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and I know you always look forward to doing those. I do. ATV brings my, myself out, and we get to interview Ryan. He always brings a friend. Tonight is uh, Derek Ryan, and we have a lot of fun. Bring a bunch of customers, usually have a bunch of kids there, and uh, we, we put on a good show. Ryan gets up on stage and tells some stories, so it's a lot of fun. So I look forward to that, and I appreciate you having me on early. Well, you know what? It shows you that you can make it two different ways, right? You can be the number one overall draft pick in an NHL entry draft like Ryan Nugent Hopkins was back in 2011, or you can be a player that doesn't make it to the NHL until the age of 29, But there's like Derek Ryan. But there's something both players have in common. If you're smart... That helps you finding ways to play, doesn't it? Yeah, 100% it does. And it's funny, that's one of the things we're talking about tonight is journey to the NHL. Everybody's journey is different. I think there is an expectation with R&H, his journey would bring him to a fairly long and probably very successful NHL career. And Derek Ryan, on the other hand, is a, a journey that I don't know, we'll talk to him, I'm not sure he expected it to happen at times during his life. But, yeah, I think that at the end of the day, if you've got good hockey IQ, they will find a place for you to play. And both these players, 
in different ways, a very good hockey IQ and has allowed them both to have nice and successful uh, NHL careers. Uh, you know, Rob, I'd like to tell you what a, a genius I am, but when Derek Ryan played on the 0708 Golden Bears, that was the last year I did the U of A uh, before starting what's been a 16-year run here doing the Oilers. I did not see at that time that Derek Ryan was going to be a potential NHL player. In fact, he was the third-line center on that championship team, that national championship team, behind a guy named Ian McDonald and Dylan Stanley, both 90-point scorers out of the Western Hockey League. And I think the most that Derek had was about 60 points. Uh, but I will say, by, he went over to, he played four years with the Bears. By years two, three, and four, he was an all-Canadian caliber player. And then he went to Austria and was the best player in the league the last two years he was there. And then when he became the Swedish League MVP, the only year he played, like if you're the Swedish Hockey League MVP, you're probably a pretty good player. You know what I'm saying? Well, you're a good player, and you're a good player in both ends because when you start playing in in Sweden, it's not a a league that is all about offense. It's a league that if you want to be there, you got to be successful both ends. Have you ever watched most Swedes that come over are very good defensively as well as offensively. And that's what we're going to talk with Derek tonight about. At what point did you actually feel there was a chance for you to have a chance in the NHL? And he finally was noticed. And that's the thing about you know, hockey players. If, if you are doing something good, someone will notice. There is no player that has ever not made the NHL because nobody found him. There is always somebody watching. And so I, I remember Ken Hitchcock told me that when I was playing in the minors. Every night, play as though someone's watching. And when you skate on the ice for National Anthem, when you're on the bench, when you're in practice, always thank yourself in a professional way that if someone's watching, they notice a positive about you. Because honestly, there is always someone watching. Everybody's looking for that, you know, that, that steel, that diamond in the rough, someone that could change the way that their, their organization is going. So... Someone finally found Derek Ryan, and he continues to turn it into a very nice uh, late NHL career. And then in terms of Ryan Nugent Hopkins, as we're joined before uh, Montorio Holmes by uh, Rob Brown, who's our inside-the-game analyst on the Oilers Radio Network, Rob, Ryan Nugent Hopkins touches literally every aspect of the Oilers game, doesn't he? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, He does. I, I played in Pittsburgh with a guy named Stu Barnes, who had a very nice NHL career. And he was the same type of player. He's a guy that would be on your power play unit. He wasn't the star of the unit, but he was a big part of it. He played on the penalty kill. He was on your first or second line. He'd be out there for four and four. Every critical part of the game he was on the ice for. And that's what R&H is. Uh, he's not the star of the power play. They got Connor and Leon for that, and they got Bouchard on the back end. But if you ever watch, Nugent Hopkins always touches the puck at some point. Uh, before the puck starts going towards the net. Penalty kill, he starts every penalty killing unit. Uh, he's on the first or second line. He plays four on four. Last minute of a game, you want him out there because of his defensive awareness. So uh, R&H uh, has, I think, lived up and probably surpassed his billing as the number one pick overall. And we're going to talk to him tonight about the fact that 
he's now third all-time for Edmonton Oilers games played. He passed Mark Messier. It doesn't matter what you pass a Messier for. If you're being talked about in the same breath as Mark Messier, you're obviously doing something right. All right, so Edmonton made a decision, Rob, back on uh, November the 12th, and they relieved Jay Woodcroft and Dave Manson of their duties. And uh, Chris Knobloch came in, Paul Coffey took over the de- defense. The Oilers since then have the best record in the NHL. They are 30-9. and nine. They have a 769 points percentage. That's number one. They're plus 51 in goal differential in those 39 games. That's number one. They're second in the league in goals for. They're third in the league in goals against. They're fifth in the league in the power play. And sixth in the league in penalty kill, despite the fact that they're on a really ugly run. I think they've given up 10 uh, goals against... Uh, uh, to opposition power plays in the last five games. Those numbers again, first, first, second, third, fifth, and sixth, 30-9 record. Was this naturally going to happen if they hadn't made the coaching change, or did the coaching change play a factor in this happening? What do you think? I think it's a combination of both. Uh, I think that, I said after they lost to San Jose, I went on radio and said that it's 100% certainty the Oilers will make the playoffs. That was before they made the coaching change. I, this is too good a hockey club. They were a good hockey tub pl- club playing terrible hockey. Eventually, it was going to go the other direction. Having said that, I don't know if it would have went in the direction as quickly and as drastically. They, they brought in a coach that calmed them. Uh, his influence on the bench. I mean, you can never tell if the Oilers are winning or losing if you look on the, the bench. He just has that demeanor. And if you think about some of the other players, an R&H, a Connor McDavid, uh, Darnell Nurse, I mean, not real demonstrative. They're not loud players. So maybe the calming influence of, of the coach of Knobloch is, is exactly what they needed to unlock their true potential. Uh, this is a team that at the beginning of the season, many picked to be top five. A lot of people picked them to go to the Stanley Cup finals or win it. So I don't think it's a surprise where they are in the standings now. I think it would be just a little bit of a surprise of how they got to this position. But, yeah, I think Knobloch has has done a lot of really good things uh, with this team. The players are responding to him. Uh, To me, uh, the defensive play is the biggest improvement, and that is what the Oilers need if they're going to be a Stanley Cup champion, they've always tried to outscore their mistakes, and you can do that in the regular season, and you can do that against teams that aren't in the playoffs. But trying to outscore your mistakes in a playoff series against Colorado or Vegas or L.A. or Dallas, it doesn't usually end up in a positive way for you. So right now they are trying to win hockey games by simply making fewer mistakes than the other team. What would you think of how they dug in against Dallas on Saturday? That was a 3-3 game after two periods. Neither team scored in the first. Both teams put up three in the second. And I thought both teams focused on defense in the third. I thought both teams played two periods that they would be proud of. I think the first and third period for both teams was the way they want to play. You know, very low event hockey. The second period got away from each other. Uh, and it was exciting for the fan. I think both coaches would have had a little bit of a message after the second period to their team. I thought they played well. Dallas is good. I, I watched the Dallas-Boston game the other night, and I think Boston eventually won in a shootout, but it was dominated by the Dallas Stars. Yeah. I mean, it was almost double in shots. Dallas is good. Dallas is a team that has the – they are a team that's capable of winning the Stanley Cup this year. So I think it was uh, coming off a loss, going into a, a rink – uh, that is tough to win in against a good team and 
playing your your backup goaltender, I thought it was a very good effort by the Edmonton Oilers. So, again, there's not a game that the Oilers start that I don't feel they're capable of winning. Now they're not going to win them all, but I don't I don't go into a broadcast thinking, okay, the Oilers really need a lot of things to go right for them tonight. I do believe the Oilers are as good as any other team in the NHL. And they need a bounce and a save. And at the end of the night, they can have two points. Rob, I'm going to throw a total curveball. We could talk a bit about the game yesterday against Arizona and the change of the lines in the third or how good Dylan Gunther looked like. He was skating great. Uh, But instead, everybody right, right now is waiting for the other shoe to drop with the Calgary Flames. The entire NHL trade dead mark, trade uh, market 17 days away from the deadline. You talk to every insider. Uh, you talk to people in the league. They're all waiting on Calgary. You think about how crazy it is. The Edmonton Oilers playing the Calgary Flames round two, May of 2022. The Flames with the best line in hockey that year, Elias Lindholm with Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Goodrow. Um, you know... That entire line's already been traded out of Calgary. They've moved Zadorov out of there. Uh, we all assume they're trading Tanev. They're probably trading Hannafin. They're, tr- they're trading Markstrom. If you had told me that, Rob, when the Calgary Flames won 9-6 in Game 1 and were up 3-1 in the second period in Game 2, that the whole Flames team would be on the verge of being blown up, I would have said you were on planet Zoltar. It really is quite remarkable, isn't it? It is, because they were good. They were very good. Uh, I mean, I've always been a Johnny Goudreau fan. I, I just love the way he played. But you, you think right now, do you think he, if he could have a redo, he would have re-signed in Calgary, the way things have turned out? I mean, he's gone from uh, being the best line in hockey and a team that, you know, a save here or two from Markstrom, maybe they, it's a different series against the others, to a franchise that has now fired their general manager. They're near the bottom of the standings again. He's a guy that was a perennial 100-point-a-year type of guy to not even a point a game. And that, he was the starting domino. If Johnny Goudreau signs, does Kachuk sign? And if he signs, do they start bringing in more free agents? And does so, Lindholm yeah, stay? Well, 100%. If Lindholm and Kachuk are both there, then Lindholm stay because at that point he was on the best line in hockey. So it, it is, and it's sad. It really is. I am a fan of when the Calgary Flames are good. I know that's not what a lot of people like it. I'm with you. You know that. I'm with you. Yeah. It's way better for the Battle of Alberta. Oh, 100% when they're battling for a playoff spot. Or I remember when, they were tra- when the Oilers were looking whether who they're going to play in the first round. And, or excuse me, the second round. And all my friends, oh, I hope Dallas wins. I hope Dallas. I'm like, no. You want Calgary. But everyone was, no. But what if we lose? But don't think that way. What if we win? And the excitement level in Alberta for that series. So, and the problem is that we're not going to see one of those series for a while, because if they get rid of Hannafin and Markstrom and uh, Tanov, uh, now they're in a rebuild. And I just, it's sad. And but now when you start talking about the trades, I like Hannafin. I love Tanov. I, I just Tanov is a guy that is made for playoff hockey, and whichever team gets him. That is a big upgrade just for the simple way he plays the game. He plays the game the right way. Awesome stuff, Rob. Again, have a good time tonight uh, at your event uh, with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Derek Ryan. Say hi to John Winwick for us, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow night at the game. 
Sounds good, Bob. Take care. 619 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, uh, Brendan Escott. We'll tell you, uh, Brent Myers, Reed Wilkins. Coming up in the final half hour of the show with close to 35 years in business. Brent Ridge Ford has many long-term loyal customers. If you currently, actually, we're going to put Reed on at about uh, 623 here, 623. If you're going to, uh, if you currently own an F-150, you can get up to 16,000 bucks off a new F-150. If you want to be treated fairly at every aspect of vehicle ownership and get award-winning service, call our friends at Brent Ridge Ford, 7803 6048. As for Rich, Johnny, and Uncle Milton Sales, or Kevin, Margie, and Mike in service, remember cars cost less in Wetaskiwin. We'll go to break. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the Battle of Alberta. Uh, is it uh, going to be taking a little bit of a reprieve here for a couple of years when we return on Oilers now? Welcome back, everybody. Reed Wilkins hosts the City Ford Faceoff show in Inside Sports. He'll tell us a bit about his show tonight in a second. But not before we bring him into a conversation that uh, Brendan Escott, myself, and Brian Lott had earlier, a bit about the Calgary Flames. Uh, Read yesterday, Frank Cervelli on the show, tomorrow, Elliot on the show, and you talk to guys around the league, everyone's waiting for the shoe to drop in Calgary. Calgary is defining the market here. What happens with Tanev? What happens with Hannafin? Is it kind of sad when you think of how good Calgary were in the 20, like going on that playoff series, the best line in the NHL, lots of defensemen, plus 20 or better, marks are wonderful, Daryl Sutter, coach of the year stuff. It's kind of shocking what's happened, isn't it? Well, it just shows you how fast things can change if you don't hang on to your best players or some of your top players, right? I mean, Goudreau and Kachuk left. And they couldn't score. They couldn't finish. I mean, they might still have zone time and pressure and shots. I mean, what was the game? Was it early last season? I think Skinner had 40 or 41 saves. And at the end of the night, you're thinking, like, was there a high danger chance in there? I mean, they just lost their ability to snipe. And, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to sell off these parts because they're they're not getting into the playoffs are you year. Are you buying my rationale there's seven-eighths bald? They might as well just shave it completely bald and go for it in terms <laughs> well, of the rebuild. Sure. <laughs> I wasn't thinking in terms of hair, but sure, you might as well Yeah. at this point. Well, well, I, I guess uh, a couple things. Number one, and I, like when Brad Trilliving, his, you know, his hands were sort of, he got dealt a stiff hand. I think that's fair to say. I thought he did good on the return when he got Huberto and Weger because I thought Weger was really good. Yeah. When the trade happened, more people liked that they were getting Huberto, a 115-point score back. Yeah, well, and Weger is leading the... Is he's, he still leading defense scoring? I think he is. He's he's been, he's had a I think Weger's been better than people thought he could have been. Yeah, I would agree with that. And like, Huberto's a good player. I, I don't think we got to write him off as not being a, a good player, but he is more of a setup man. Than a, than a finisher and a driver, and so then if you don't have guys who can finish, and and you're not the uh, aggressive guy on your line who's going to go and retrieve a lot of pucks, then all of a sudden you're not going to look as good. It's yeah. interesting, Bob. Like you were talking about the Battle of Alberta, the '91 series was epic. There were the other series in the '80s. Both teams won cups, and then really since then it's been two defining moments: the goalie fight and McDavid's overtime goal. And because either both teams, I mean, the Oilers missed the playoffs 10 straight years. Either both teams were bad or the Oilers were bad and the Flames were at least in the playoffs, but they weren't going to play Edmonton. And really, as much as it's fun around the regular season and we got the outdoor game and all that kind of stuff, it's defined by postseason battles. And as you and I have talked about, Oilers Kings and even Oilers Golden Knights, even with just one playoff series, 
generally have more juice than Oilers and Flames. Yeah, well, there's no question about it. Now, maybe they would have played each other in the pandemic the year they got cut off, right, and finished in the summer. Maybe, but they didn't. Thank you yesterday for having me on with Daniil Latigan. I know today. Oh, uh, so I, I went to both Alberta UBC games. So did Brad Holland, Oilers head pro scout. Uh, boy, UB, Stan Butenshawn's done a good job. Well, from pretty much national irrelevance to national prominence. Yeah. And they're not just the Canada West power. Yeah. They may be the best team in the country. The Bears can beat them, uh, but Sven's on tonight. And I, I have interviewed him before in shorter formats. I imagine he's going to be pretty modest, but hopefully a little bit of insight into how he took it and, and the recruiting and getting players I think he ends up in the American League in the next two years. I think he's on. Oh, maybe, yeah. Keep an eye on Vegas, right? Kelly played for Kelly McCrimmon. Kelly's got all the power there. Mm-hmm. Their farm team's 500 this year. I think the Bears can win that series, but it's their big underdogs, certainly more than they were going into Saskatchewan. No, no I, I didn't go to both that weekend. I went to the Friday game. Yeah. The Bears outplayed them in yeah. that game overall. But the UBC goalie was spectacular. And, and it's not a knock on the, the Bears goaltending. And then the, the the next game, it was the opposite. So they are close. Like those top five in Canada West were all close this year. But Eight points between the top five teams. And Alberta lost games to Trinity Restaurant, uh, Manitoba, Regina, and Grant McEwen. Four worst teams in the league. Like they lost. And, on the f- and I don't think UBC... They might have lost one to Manitoba. I can't remember, and, but still, and those they were, were all, way better. And they, yeah. lo- and they were all Friday night games that they lost. Something else. Practicing at 10 this week instead of 7.30. You got Kelly Rudy on tonight, and Kelly's too? on as well, yeah. All right, thanks for coming thanks, by. Man. That's Reed Wilkins from Inside Sports and the Faceoff Show. Off to Zach Ferguson, a global news weather traffic update in about one minute's time. Brent Myers, painkiller, when we come back.